0: Listening to the Hackett Racket with Michael Hackett. Boom, what's happening? Oh, how are you doing? How are you getting on this week? Just thought I would say, Hello, hello, is it me you're looking for? Look at that, I should have been a singer. Fucking hell, don't you know I sound better in the bathroom? You ever done that, like singing in the shower? And you're like, Man, I found a legend. And then you come back into your bedroom, try and sing to your sweet lady. And she's just looking at it like you're a dickhead. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck, baby? I thought it was good. Oh my God. This lockdown, when are they going to lift it? When are they going to lift this motherfucking shit? Jesus Christ, Boris is better now. He's like, I just, I just rec- I've just recovered. I've recovered. I've recovered from the virus. Everything is fine. Everything is fucking fine. Everyone's weighing themselves up against Boris while going over that fat guy. Got it and survived. I reckon I'll be all right. <laughs> Isn't that what everyone's doing? Weighing up the fat bastards and just going, yeah, man, you know what? I'm probably four kilograms lighter than that, dude. I'll be fine. Smoke a bit less, drink a bit less. That's what everyone's thinking, man. The main thing is just don't overdo it. Fucking hell, man. You know what I've overdone today, which I'm really gutted about? is I was starving, in a rush for some food, and this sushi place that's been shut ever since the corona started just opened today. So I thought, you know what, I'm gonna nail a bit of sushi. Went down there, two for one offer, £6.50 for loads of sushi. So I managed to get, I don't know how they added it up, but I somehow got 18 quids worth, right? Fucking, because I got a bit of beef on the side. And like, having um, nailed it all, what this instantly reminds me of, which I failed to forget every fucking time I do this, Sushi is the best idea ever until you've had too much and then it is the worst idea ever because oh god I'm full to the beans of like fish now and you know like because they've not opened for at least a month that fish ain't fresh there is no way some Mr. Sushi dealership's driving around dropping it off in his van just pulled this out of the sea today no you fucking didn't fella you've had that shit in the freezer for ages it was brown around the edge I was like ah, bleh, bleh. I had to get some minstrels man just to knock back the taste you ever do that? I'm gonna not eat any chocolate today, right? You have some So Ming and you just nail family-sized portions of chocolate. That's what I did, man. Fucking hell. God, I'm gonna, I am going to. know it. I'm gonna vomit my guts up later, man. I'm gonna vomit minstrels and fish. Imagine that as well. Imagine if I get corona on top of it just for handling the food. And, like, they find me dead, keeled over, and they go, what were his symptoms? Oh, this is the new one. It's a new variant at corona. What is it? He's got fucking minstrels and fish coming out of him on the pavement. And was like, don't go near Mentorals. Don't go near those fucking magic buttons of chocolate. The joy. Fuck me, man. Coughing the guts up and shit. Yeah, speaking of like coughing and lungs and craziness, man. Do you know what a pneumothorax is? It's proper rare, but it's basically where one of your lungs just suddenly collapses. I'm tall. I'm. A, that's my risk factor. So being over six foot, just spontaneously, one of your lungs just and just collapses like a balloon. And the way you fix it, you have to put a needle in the side of your chest. They do it in Three Kings, in fact. And you have to suck the air that's like occurring around the outside of your lung. They have to remove that back out to reinflate your lung. That is fucked up that innit, it, man? I'm friends with a doctor and he said he was like, he had this rib cage cracked open on this patient. And they're doing a, like a lung operation or something like that, and they pulled the lung to the side, and as they did, for whatever reason, the lung was tightly attached to the aorta. the fucking aorta the artery ripped open, right, and the patient was going to bleed out within about thirty seconds. So how mad is this, right? the lead consultant on the on the job instead of like just you know using like proper you know, he passed me these forceps and all that kind of bollocks. He just got his thumb and went thump and just plugged it into the bleeding aorta. And then he went, nurse, pass me the stitches. And she passed it and he fucking sutured around his thumb and then like slowly removed his thumb and sealed it up around his thumb. And the guy lived. That is mad That innit. Imagine having some dude's fucking thumb in your aorta. <laughs> it's crazy. Michael, these are such weird stories in this podcast. Yes, they are. Fucking deal with it. Here's a crazy story actually, did you know this? This is about depression. If you get a rat to stop its daily activities, you can get it addicted to cocaine. That's what I heard, that's what I fucking heard on some twisted experiment. Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think about the mad experiments that get done and like the positives that come out of the negatives? So like in Hitler's time, they used to do some really twisted stuff. So like in medicine, anytime the lecturers going out something, going, oh yeah, this and this is really advanced, this is amazing. Nine times out of ten, they then would end it with, I'm really sorry to say this as well, but, um, this discovery was achieved during the Nazi occupation. Like, fucking... <laughs> because that's what Hitler's team did, man. There was no, like, waiting around for human trials, getting approval and stuff. they just get fucking some people and start doing some crazy shit. Like, twins. we twins used to get, like, one of them and break the leg 20 times, then monitor the other one. Is death feeling good? I don't know what they were looking for. Like, see if the heart breaks or some shit. Fucking... Ugh, fucking horrible. You know what, I'm surprised that in all this time, nobody went to Hitler when he was alive going, hey man, we got a new experiment for you. Oh yeah, what's that? We're going to get a Chinese person, put a bat on the plate and see what happens to the rest of the world. <laughs> He'd be all over that shit. He'd be like, oh, that sounds fucking amazing. Jesus Christ. I wonder if people stop watching Batman now because of that stuff, you know, like with Corona. They're just like, I don't like, I just don't know what it is about plates and Batman and people eating it. I don't, mm-mm. But yeah, with medical research, we had to do some proper weird stuff as dentists. Like in first year, you will not believe the experiments that we had to do. Like, so one of them was they give you a razor blade and some adrenaline and some histamine. And you're like, you, you come to the like the science tech lab where it's done. And you're like, what the fuck are we doing today, right? And then the idea is you get the razor blade and you're supposed to scratch your skin in three places and someone drips on it. Uh, adrenaline, histamine, and I, somewhat, I can't remember the other one, right? But like, um, you're supposed to see the different reactions. and like, oh, look at that, it's an inflammation. Red zone, wheel, flirt <laughs> right? It's <laughs> just the response of an allergic reaction or something, right, or inflammation. Anyway, my mate was such a dick. He got the razor blade at my wrist and he's fucking proper slashing at it. And I was like, what the fuck are you trying to kill me? Didn't matter though, man, because I managed to get him back. So a week later, we did this weird experiment where he's supposed to test the core body temperature and it involves putting a thermometer in your friend's ear. And then he has to have a thermometer in his ass, which has a big massive cable connected to it. And then has to sit in a bin of cold water. Yeah, you're probably asking yourself at this point, what the hell has this got to do with teeth? And don't worry, I was asking the same question. I'm like, are you sure we're learning dentistry here? Cause I'm sticking this fucking thing in this guy's ass. (laughs) Nah, man, I didn't have to stick it in his ass. he did. But the way I got him back, I kept yanking at the cable that was connected to it. I was like, fucking have that, you bastard, that'll teach you to scratch me. He was proper gutted, man. All his scientists were, like, around him documenting all the changes in temperature, right? And he's just, like, trying to act still and going, fuck off, fuck off, just kept helping me. Get the fuck off, fuck off. I was like, ah! (laughs) Pulling on it. Very immature, Michael, this is very immature. Do you know what the outcome of that experiment was as well? After all that, after all like my mates sitting in a a bin of freezing cold water, then hot water, and I mean, fucking all this kind of stuff plugged into them like the matrix. Do you know what the outcome was? The scientists documenting it managed to discover that the core body temperature between your head and your colon doesn't vary that much. I mean, what what kind of fucking bullshit you think? Couldn't you just told us that? Like, what's the message? If you eat some ice cream and then put a thermometer in the top of your head and then in your ass, the number that it reads out is about the same. <laughs> That's the most useless shit in the world. Like, look at it now. Where does it get us? You know, with this corona coming on some dude, I've got a pipe here and a special asthma moment. So you're like, fuck that, mate. Just, let's just, let's just assume it's 38.6 and everybody can chill the fuck out. In fact, yeah, I know what I'll sort you. Yeah. I'm a minstrel and some fish. Oh, man. I tell you, you want the weirdest experiment that I know of, man? I know this is such a strange podcast today, man. Like, fucking, Michael, you're telling us the weirdest, most fucked up experiments going. Yeah, there's like... There's one that's been banned now at universities. This got banned two years before I turned up and used to do this on students as a demonstration. So you know when you're like sat on a train and you're looking out the window and your your eyes wiggle, that's called tracking. What they do is they track uh, moving objects. And to you as the brain, like you just see a normal image but your eyes are wiggling like fucking crazy. Well, here's the weird phenomenon of how you can bring that about in a still room. So what they used to do was get a student, sit him on a chair and alternate hot and cold water in his left and right ear and just keep switching it and switching it and switching it. And like soon enough, what starts to happen is the student's eyes start to wiggle and start to track like still objects, like just around the room. It's like just start wiggling and wiggling and wiggling. And then if they keep going and keep doing it, eventually the student starts to vomit everywhere. How fucked up is that man? Fucking mad isn't it, God. First year, I miss it. We used to be in anatomy, and one guy cut the scalp off this person and put it on someone's head. And "Ah, And this other guy tied some intestines around his belt and legged it across the floor. Whilst this thing chased him like trailed behind, he was like, look at me, it's chasing me! Like that spider off aliens. Fuck me, I shouldn't admit that, should I? That's what went on though, man. I tell you, young people, dead bodies, fucking twisted. Like one guy had some brains that you pulled out of his bucket and he's just like chucking it between his left hand and the right hand and he's singing that Cypress Hill song going Insane in the membrane, insane in the brain! <laughs> fucking hell. I'm never donating my body to science man. Or if I am, I'm just gonna fucking strip myself naked first and just go, fine, fuck it, do what you want. Jesus, man, I shouldn't admit this. All of that, let's just pretend none of that ever happened. Anyway, how's your day? How are you getting on? Fuck it, As a completely random subject change. Do you know what's pissing me off at the moment? Standing in dog poo. Isn't that the worst fucking thing? You're walking down the street and some dude, like there's this guy that left a dog poo right outside my house, man, and he's done it twice now. And I I don't know who it is exactly. I'm assuming it's a guy. Look at that, could be a woman, Michael. Could be a woman. You're fucking assuming incorrectly, Michael. Might be, you never know. Mind you, I was this for the wrong assumptions? I heard there's this story where this Japanese guy was sold a poodle, what he thought was a poodle dog. But when he got it, this was the complaint he made. He's like, why is my dog? I thought it was fully trained. Why is it shitting all over the apartment? (laughs) It turned out, it turned fucking out that what they'd sold him was a sheep. (laughs) imagine being that dumb, you don't realize the difference. And you're there In your really clean apartment And there's just a fucking full-on sheep Walking around goes, it doesn't sound like a fucking dog Meh Meh Yeah, because he's a fucking sheep fella It's a sheep Jesus Anyway, let's get cracking with this bloody story And by the way, before I get started I just want to give a quick shout out to a legend fan Over in Kent My favourite number one German of all time Frau Ingrid Klinkhammer Ingrid You're a fucking wild child, but I love you. And I can't wait to kiss you on stage next time. (laughs) Oh, man, you're a legend. Anyway, listen, let's get get bloody cracking. So, if you remember last time, just as a little recap, what happened was I tried to win that tender, that NHS contract, and Clive, my bastard boss, thwarted it, man. He phoned up the primary care trust on the moment I was doing the interview bit because I'd managed to get shortlisted and said, under all circumstances, don't give it to Michael. And then at the same time, he posted an advert for a dentist to work in my surgery. So now with each of us having exposed our intentions, I now have to come back to work to face this bastard. So here we go. Chapter 12, Unfinished Business. Back in work on Monday, I watched as Clive wasted no time arranging interviews. Catching me in the corridor. How was the presentation? He smiled. Yeah, good, thanks. I returned, trying to keep as nonchalant as possible. Fucker. He knew I'd lost, but I was not about to let him schadenfreude my ass. Yeah, this I was, man. So after losing the tender, like I said, I had to come back to work the next day. And both of us knew exactly what was going to happen, man. Clive had put the advert up to find a dentist to replace me. I knew this. He knew this, and he knew that I'd lost the tender, especially because of his phone call. And, like, we just had to play this kind of charade thing. It was absolute bollocks. He's like, so where does this leave us then? What are your intentions now, Michael? What are your intentions? So I'm, like, just pretending like nothing's happening. Oh, nothing, you know. I just use that tender application as a learning exercise. Just like I said, I intend to carry on here as normal. He's like, oh, really? Like proper gunning for, like, his pound of flesh. Just, like, enjoying the fact that now you have me cornered. He wanted to just see me squirm. So I, like, turned the charade back on him in the corridor. I was like, hey, uh, Clive, I see you're uh, advertising for a a new dentist. What's that all about? And he's playing the same game back to me. He's like, oh, nothing, you know, just to fill in a few spare hours of spare surgery time. And there was no spare surgery time. His plan was obvious. What he was going to do was find a new dentist to replace me do all the paperwork with the primary care trust which took about six weeks at the time remember and then once that's all done so that he doesn't lose any performance because we've now passed into the new contract year he'd then sack me and then replace the new guy that's ready to go straight away so that he could just continue rolling with his contract i was like motherfucker man and it was a horrible time horrible horrible like i was sat in the clinical surgery with tisha and she's trying to calm me down Everyone going yo wagwan brother and all this kind of just making me laugh and stuff and, uh, but whilst we're treating patients, Yvette, the manager, would bring like these new candidates around these dentists and fucking hell, man. She had just such bad conversations. She used to bring them in the surgery and she'd go, so this is the clinic I'm telling you about. And they're like, great. And like, there's nothing to remark when you get shown a dental practice, man. You're just like, yeah, that's it, dental chair. And she was so bad, she's going, look, and they're the new lights I was telling you about, like the fucking light bulbs in the ceiling. And they were just going, yeah, nice, nice lights. <laughs> It was fucking awkward as shit. And I was panicking, I was looking online and I was like, come on man, come on, where's the new job, where's the new job? i applied to like all these like spare jobs that had come up but no one's getting back to me now, fucking bad news. Clive and vet closing in like jackals, it was horrible. Anyway, out of nowhere, about two weeks later, this is where I got handed an unexpected olive branch. So it's like Friday now, 5 p.m. I'm waiting for my last patient to come and I'm just still clicking away on my refreshing in my inbox going, please, please, someone get back to me. Someone get back to me. And suddenly this email appears from Miss Shah, the woman from the primary care trust, and all it said was call me. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? So, like, the patient was coming into the chair, and I said, Tisha, just keep this guy talking. I've got to go make this phone call. Because I had to find out. I was like, she'd be finishing work at r five. I had to find out exactly what it was. So, our unprofessional is this, man. I legged it downstairs into the STD clinic where they run that STD, you know that STD surgery. I thought, I need to make this phone call private, man. So, I, I chose. The disabled toilet, right? It sounds bad this did it, but well, I just remember thinking at the time, I've never met a disabled person who needs to frequent the STD clinic and <laughs> you know, all they usually look after themselves, don't they? Anyway, so I, I, I dive in this toilet. And it was not the most inspiring place to make this phone call. Like There's like skid marks all over the pans and stuff. And I dial up the number at the primary care trust. I'm like, hello, it's Michelle there? And this is when she gives me the news. She answers the phone. She's like, hi, um, listen, we were really impressed by your interview. I don't know why you didn't get through. So she obviously knew nothing about Clive phoning up. But then she goes, we've got something that's pretty rare. What it is, we have this dentist who's retiring. And these Israelis are desperate to buy the practice off him. But they keep phoning us up and keep like giving us loads of jip all the time. So we don't really want him to sell to them because that means we have to deal with them. We'd much rather that he sells to you. Are you interested? And I'm like, fuck right, I'm interested, man. Jesus Christ, this was rare than hen's teeth. And the reason why was, since 2006, buying an NHS practice in London had become now an impossible because what had happened was, unlike the old days, they'd limited the number of contracts. So they restricted how many dental contracts there are in the country, which made the value suddenly rocket and all these massive corporates started buying them up. So for a small timer like me in London, buying one was just like, oh my God, this never comes along. So I'm like, yeah, I, I'm really interested. I'm really interested, right? I didn't have a fucking clue about what's involved buying a dental practice. I, I didn't even know whether I could get the finance, but I was so desperate at this part, I was like, yeah, sure, I'm interested. So she goes, okay, well, we think you're the right professional for it. So here, Please take down his number. And as she starts saying this, almost busting me with where I'm calling from, this old man starts banging on the door, on the opposite side of my toilet door. He's like, excuse me, I can hear you talking in there. I know you don't need the toilet. I need to use the bathroom. And I'm like, motherfucker. You know, like trying to maintain that I really am the professional for the job. And this guy's just, Doof, dof, 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 dof. What are you doing in there? Killing all my mystique. Jesus, all I could do just to dampen his voice out was like push on the door as hard as I can. And I was there trying to rush on Michelle going, okay, Michelle, so please, what's the number? Before she found out, like imagine if she goes, where are you actually calling from, by the way? Oh yeah, big fucking disabled toilet in an STD clinic. Do you trust in me? Sure I do. I didn't even have a pen. As she's telling me the number, she's like, oh, seven, nine. I just had to grab one of them green paper towels right by the sink and get my thumbnail and try and scratch in each digit. Have you ever done that when you're just trying, like, you're trying to make an O out of your thumbnail? Because for whatever reason, you refuse to admit that you don't have a pen. <laughs> anyway, I rushed her on, managed to get the phone number right. And just as I'm putting the phone down, she leaves me this like weird like lingering message. She goes, by the way, when you call this dentist, just be careful. I'm like, why? She goes, because he's not like any other person. I'm like, really? Regardless, not thinking much of it at the time, I end the call, I come out the toilet, the guy just sees me, looks really pissed off, looks over my shoulder, sees all that massive skid mark on the toilet, thinking it's me, right? I'm like, that's not me, dude. But have at it, fella. You were in such a rush to get in there. Go fucking lay yourself free, man. Go fill your boots. (laughs) I rush back upstairs, see the last patient, and then I make my way home. And that's when I start mulling over what I should do. Because the thing is, buying a practice is the same as buying any other business, right? You have to borrow a load of money to do it. And these things can go pop at any point, which means I'd lose fucking everything, more than everything. right? I'd probably have to get a really nasty loan in order to borrow the money because I didn't have any. My parents didn't have any. Anyway, as I'm stood there like mulling it over, eating some minstrels, (laughs) no sushi this time. I just thought, fuck it, man. I picked up the paper towel, dialed in this dentist's number that's supposed to be odd. And waited. You're listening to the Hackett Racket with Michael Hackett.